Hello, my friend. Before we start this amazing episode, I want to invite you to the personal Patreon page of this podcast. If you love what's being done here and want to keep the podcast and the meditations free to the public, then you can come on over to our brand new community on Patreon and donate $11.11 a month and all proceeds will go towards keeping this free, keeping this going. Plus, we'll be building a community together and I'll give you bonus material. You can explore this option in the description of this podcast or just go to patreon.com slash Dr. Reese. Let's begin. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So what are the gene keys? Welcome to episode number 92. Today, I'm talking to mystic teacher and author, Richard Rudd, who wrote the famous book, The Gene Keys, as well as The Art of Contemplation. In this very revealing talk, we will explore the concept of the gene keys and the 64 codes of consciousness. We will also go into contemplation and figure out what it is and talk about how to do it and how important it is in your life. We'll also talk about the seven sacred seals, the law of attraction versus the law of unseen grace, death, and Richard will tell us what happened to him in his late 20s when he had a mystical experience. So sit down, relax, and take in this beautiful recording. Richard Rudd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Nice to be here. So how would you describe the gene keys? There are lots of different ways of, of describing it. Um, this morning I described it as a, as a kind of spiritual technology, um, the, a, a technology of transformation, um, because it has so many um, access points and it has so many different ways in which you can use it. The most common way in which people will use it is um, using the what's called a profile, your profile, which you get from your, you know, from your date of birth. Um, but it's only one of many ways. So it's a, it's a body of wisdom that um, allows you to go on, you know, multiple journeys of transformation. And um, as you may know, it's quite a, it's quite a dense body of wisdom. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to get to grips to, um, but there are a lot of different pathways to suit different people and their learning styles. Um, and yeah, essentially it's a, it's a, it's a means of personal transformation to bring about um, enhanced states of harmony and consciousness and to help us, you know, understand who we are, why we're here and where we're going individually and as a species yeah you know it, to me it seems like you've you've taken eastern mysticism and you've created a a quite brilliant system out of it uh, a way to find truth beingness mm. is this necessary for westerners who 
aren't really into mysticism. They, they don't understand it or they're scared of it. I guess a, a lot of people, I mean, there's, there's two tiers of people really, aren't there? Not, not that they're above each other, but there's the, the group of people who are interested in where they come from and there's, and have a sense of, I guess you could say being more than just a physical body, you know, a spiritual being perhaps. And, and there are lots of different, obviously beliefs that people have in that group. Um, but then the other group, uh, I don't know if that's who you're talking about, people who um, aren't sure or, uh, or just believe that we, you know, this is a material universe and that we're here by chance and um, the, the, adopt the prevailing scientific pa paradigm. And I'm not sure whether the Jinkies is so much for those people <laughs> um, because you need a little bit of curiosity to just come in the door. So those who are curious, uh, it's definitely worth a look under the hood. Um, and it's worth, you know, asking someone who's, who's involved in it, what the experience has been for them. So, yeah, I think it's, it's available for everyone, but this it's, it's, it's more targeted for the group, I guess, for that group of people who are already searching um, and because it, it allows it, and that's a large group of people on the planet. Um, but it, it helps quicken their process and it helps them ultimately, I think, serve the planet in a more powerful way and perhaps reach some of those others who, um, you know, because you need a certain language and you need, you know, as you all know, you know, you need certain credentials to be able to crack the, the, the kind of scientific paradigm and mysticism. Um, although I layer in, you know, certain, uh, you know, kind of scientific truths and I have a, a good awareness of those things. Um, I am essentially a poet and a mystic. So I appeal to that other side of our nature, I think, and the teachings are really kind of aimed in that direction. So it's never really been my journey to try and convince people, you know, it's, um, if you're if you're curious in the beginning, then that's a really great start. Then, you know, you can be in the journey of transformation right away. So I don't know if that's an answer, but some kind of an answer. What made you call it the Gene Keys? Um, because it's you know this the essence of Gene Keys is it's based on a code. It's based on a universal code that's you know come from the Chinese I Ching originally. Hmm. Um, so that's where it has that Eastern component you mentioned. Um, and that that work, the I Ching, is a is a kind of binary system uh, that has a real mathematics to it, and it, you know because it's a for, it's a set of formulas. It's actually a set of algorithms for life. You know that's really what it is: the algorithms of life itself. And so, even though it was discovered thousands of years ago and or intuited, and it's been developed by the Chinese, it also exactly matches many other systems you look at. So it has these 64, as you know, probably has these 64 fold structure. And um, those codes are built out of um, what are called hexagrams in the original, right. which are kind of archetypes, mathematical archetypes, and you know, that have layers of meaning and can be translated in lots of different ways, practical ways. Mm. Um, but the, the maths of it, actually is exactly the same as the maths that runs our genetic code so that's why you know because that's also built out of 
sixes and and triplets and 64 codons. And the same math is, is inherent in both systems. It's also there in other systems as well, like um, the musical octaves and um, the phi ratio, which you find in geometry and in nature. And, um, and it's actually the basis of why we're talking to each other right now, because it's 64-bit technology is actually the driving force underlying you know, our modern computer systems. So it actually is a formula that's embedded at many levels within creation. So mm. that's why I named it the gene keys because they're codes that specifically lead us into our inner world and how we're made up. Um, but it's a, it's, a it's a poet's view of DNA in a way. And I'm yeah. very open about that. It's, you know, I'm not claiming to be a pseudoscience or anything like that. It's a journey. And the journey, it, it, you've got to take the journey rather than analyze the journey. So you've got to take the journey and then you understand it from inside it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of how it works. You've got to come and try it. You've got to do one of the programs or you've got to, you know, apply one of the techniques to your life and then it comes alive. Yeah. So like there's, it. so there's 64 codes of consciousness. Yeah. 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 Now there's gene key readings. What does someone get from that gene key reading? They, you said you mentioned the profile. Yeah, there's a profile and there are people out there doing readings, doing yeah. kind of, you know, um, sessions. I personally don't do that. Um, I've set up uh, because I, I my feeling behind it is that the real empowerment through any wisdom is if you can grasp it yourself. And although it can be a great beginning, it can be a great help at the beginning because you 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 have someone a guide who can like show you how to read the map, which is useful. And um, but essentially, you can do it yourself. So uh, in the programs I've created online stuff, you you actually are taken step by step through layers of understanding once you've got your profile hmm. um, and you can look at it. And obviously you'll use the main Gene Keys book, which is my big book, you know, which I wrote, um, you know, 20 years ago um, or uh, around that, which is kind of like the manual um, to help understand each key and how you can use and understand your specific keys to enact a transformation in your life you know so it's all about a, a deeper awareness of how you operate and particularly of the things that cause you pain and suffering yeah um, because that's uh, you know that's where it begins it begins with what we call what i call the shadow you know the shadow which is yeah. our you know the shadow the, work yeah exactly yeah yeah that's, that's part of going inside and, and getting it done doing the work it is it is. Are you prepared to be talking about the gene keys for like the rest of your life? Because isn't it interesting how somebody puts out a book, mm. it catches on, but it takes so many years. I mean, people are being introduced to Eckhart Tolle for the first time right now. His Power of Now book is what, almost 30 years old? Mm. The Four Agreements you know, Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, these books, they, they're, they're going decades. Mm. This seems like something that's going to go decades and long past your time on earth. 
Yeah, I think it probably will. I had that feeling when I finished the book and, you know, it took a long time to write that book, seven years or so. Wow. And some deep contemplations that led up to it for many years. Um, and I did have that feeling when I finished it, like a, like I'd just written a kind of really great opera or something, you know, like, and I, I, I had that feeling this is going to go way beyond my life. And it's a nice, I mean, that I guess what's, you know, What's important about it is that um, to understand is that it's not really about the book at all. <laughs> um, that it's that the wisdom is actually in, that's why it's called Gene Keys. And as we said, it, the wisdom is actually embedded in the physical body in our nature. So all the stepping stones that I've created, whether they're online programs, the books that I've written, the audios, the meditations, all those journeys. Um, and there are more and more that I'm layering in all the time to appeal to all kinds of different, you know, areas of our lives, whether it's prosperity and money or whether it's, you know, um, children and parenting or dealing with relationships or sexuality or, you know, I'm exploring the keys in lots of different ways, shamanic ways and, you know, um, all kinds of ways. So just all those journeys they're all pointing in the same way, which is they're pointing you towards the wisdom that's already inside you. So in that sense, it doesn't need me to talk about it. It, <laughs> it needs some basic guidance and then you do the work. Each you know, person that comes to it does the work. And, the, and that journey is a journey of contemplation. I call it the art of contemplation. And in many ways, um, that little book I wrote, I've got it sitting here as it happens, little book, tiny little thin book, um, is more important uh, than the actual big thick keys and that, you know, because we're very impressed, aren't we, by kind of big books that kind of have yeah. a lot of layers and depth. But actually the very light Zen book, that, that one, that's much more about the technique and how you can apply it to your life and it doesn't have jargon, that is like how you do it and um and you don't even need the other book because knowing how to contemplate something is knowing how to unlock the secrets of the universe because they're all inside us so yes there's nothing that the art of contemplation can't kind of handle there's no problem it can't solve you know um because the wisdom's in us you know and we and we're yeah saturated with it in 2012, I went to an ashram. I was very uh -huh. new, very new seeker. Yeah. And I met a mystic. I didn't even know what a mystic was. And uh, he became my mentor for a few years. And one of the things that he told me that always stuck with me, he said, your practice will protect you. And so I just thought of that as you were showing me your contemplation book, because what you're saying is, the practice is more important than the fluff around it or the knowledge around it. It's mm. about the practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I sometimes make joke, I'd make a joke that, you know, if, uh, if I had written this little book first, you know, um, probably no one would have paid any attention to me. Right. Um, because it's too simple. Right. And, um, and, people are attracted by the deep and the complex and the, you know, and so I, so the Jinkies book has its kind of, has its cult following 
And yet this is, you know, I wrote this so that my father could understand it, you know, right, and he's right. a skeptic, you know, I wrote this so that anyone could pick it up and take it and use it. And that, and their day would be different having for having read it. And you can read it in a day as well. Um, but you might reread it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, the, the technique of contemplation is timeless and, uh, just hugely powerful and very very practical i mean there's no one that no matter how you know you you you, you could bring me the the kind of hard hardest cynic and the, and i would be able to kind of describe to them how they can get a benefit from this and if they apply the technique you know they'll immediately get a benefit in in their life so yeah. and they'll probably recognize it as well that let's let's talk about contemplation sure you know, it's a term that gets confused by many people. I recently had Dr. Roger Walsh on this podcast. And, you know, every time we talked about Eastern traditions, he would refer to it as contemplative mm. traditions or contemplative wisdom. Mm. Many people would call it meditative wisdom or meditative mm. traditions or just Eastern wisdom tradition or just wisdom traditions. From your viewpoint, can you explain contemplation to someone who doesn't understand and how is it different from meditation or would it could be considered a meditation? Mm. Yeah, it, it's a, I mean, I, I like the term contemplation because in a way it's a broad term. So it can contain many other techniques within it, you know, and meditation can be a technique that is part of the contemplative practice and meditation is, you know, suited to some people, not suited to others. Um, you know, contemplation is, is very broad in that sense. So it, 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 it's about have, it's about taking an inner journey. I mean, there are very simple principles to it. Um, and it's a very simple tech, basic technique. And I mean, if I describe the technique, perhaps it'll help understand what, you know, what it's all about. So, the technique is basically, it has three layers. The first is called pausing. The second is called pivoting. And the third is called merging. Those are the steps and stages of doing the art of contemplation. And no matter how you're doing it or what tradition you're from, those are principles of, con of, the con of any contemplative practice. And the first one is pausing, right? And actually the other two are hidden within pausing anyway. So all you really need to learn is what is pausing and how do I do it? <laughs> and it is as simple as it sounds. It means that you kind of inspire yourself or you allow life to inspire you to pause more often in your life and just be. And there are lots of things you can do in a pause. And that, you know, a, a pause can be as short as a single breath. It can be a sigh. It can be a pause mm. between saying something and not saying something, you know, like, no mind. Yeah. Or it can be, or it can be creative. It can be a very fill, you know, it can be sometimes when you're stressed and then you stop and you remember to pause and you just go, I'm just going to take some breaths or you might do a technique. It doesn't matter, but you what you do is you're giving some space between you and the pattern that you're in. And that's the essence of contemplation is to give space between you and the pattern or you and the current paradigm that you're caught in. 
And the more you give that space, then the more something magical starts to grow out of that space, those pauses. And, mm -hmm. and, and I say they, they can be short, you know, a pause. I mean, even putting your feet up and watching TV is kind of a pause, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not truly contemplative. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a distractive pause. Because but you're it's a pause. Kind of, yeah, but it, but nonetheless, it's it's a pause. Um, it's a single it's like, focus. Yeah, the real the, the art of pausing is when you pause from watching TV. You know, so mm. you're like in the middle. You'll just go. I'm going to take. You know, I'm just. I'm going to take a pause from this, and I'm just going to switch it off. And then you sit in the silence for a bit, and whatever you've been watching, you just let it spin, and you just watch it. And you observe it and you see how it's affected your mind, your emotions, your feelings. That's a pause. Um, and you can master the art of pausing and it instantly brings another dimension to your life. And it's so simple. It doesn't require a kind of, you know, meditation can be quite hard for a lot of Western. It's an Eastern technique, you know, and it's quite hard because we've got very trained minds. And actually one of the, better ways to use contemplation is to actually use your mind in a creative way during your contemplation so you might you might have a visualization or you might do something physical you know you might place your hands on your body or your you know particularly one of the things i teach is putting your hands on your belly when you feel under stress and then just breathing into your hands and and I, I have a morning kind of contemplative practice that's really beautiful. Um, I usually rise before the sun comes up and I sit outside, um, usually with a big wrap around me and I have little cups of tea, like uh, this beautiful little Chinese teas that I like. And I sit and I drink my tea and I just listen and I just dwell there for like half an hour or three quarters of an hour. And I listen to them, I let the birds come and I let thoughts come and I let the night you know kind of slough off and then the day arrives and it arrives inside me and it immediately changes the entire structure of your day when you begin a day like that um because yeah. you've begun from a pause and you, there are there are kind of layers of mastery to pausing like you know one of the simplest things you can do if you have a phone is set your phone to go off every hour um and just ping you to pause and then whatever you're doing at that moment you kind of make a pact with yourself i'm going to pause for like three minutes you know or even three breaths you know if you can't manage it and you just you if you're speaking you stop speaking if you're driving maybe you <laughs> i mean you could pull over but if you're driving you just breathe you just take three deep breaths and you just come into like the body for a moment and you'll see how you know, you might have been angry, frustrated, impatient, right. whatever. You, you might have been thinking of a thousand things, but that moment of pause creates the space for something to happen. And, that, and the second stage is called the pivot. Pivot. Yeah. And the pivot, you know, if you take 10 pauses in a day, maybe one of them might have a pivot. You can't control when a pivot occurs. A pivot is when you catch a pattern in the middle you know, and you break it, you know, so it might be that you're in a spin. I mean, I had a guy recently who, who was a cha taxi driver, right? Uh, I think he was a New York taxi driver and, and, and he found this teaching and he said, you've transformed my whole life because I used to have this really um, kind of this, this relationship to red lights. 
that was not positive. I now, every time I come to a red light, I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah, oh, pause. You know, I wonder how long it'll be. <laughs> maybe a few seconds, maybe a minute or so. Yeah. But in that, you know, you start to change this, the rhythm of your life. Right. And sometimes, as I said, a pivot occurs. So sometimes a, some kind of a breakthrough or a change or a shift in awareness takes place inside a pause. And that's where the wisdom that we were talking about earlier can emerge from the body. It can emerge from your being, you know, and it might be that in that moment you see something different, completely different. You maybe see a person that you were having a struggle with or a situation that you were battling. Um, you see it in a new light for the first time. You have some kind of a, a breakthrough. You know, that's the pivot. The pivot is you, you, something shifts inside you and it shifts spontaneously. You haven't tried to shift it. I mean, you might have, you know, you might have focused on the problem, which I, I, I often recommend, you know, if you're contemplating, really, there's two ways you could do it. You can contemplate on, on something that's bothering you, you know, and then it will come to a resolution if you give it time. Or you can contemplate on something that inspires you or someone mm. that inspires you. And then you will kind of go on a journey of uplift because it will steadily inspire you. And it might also solve some problems along the way because you'll be kind of raising your consciousness. Um, so it's a, so I hope I'm giving an idea of the field of contemplation and, and, and there are lots of creative ways to go about it. So in my little book, for example, I, I, I kind of give lots of techniques at the back. I, I say, look, you've got to be playful. So like, one of the ways I learned contemplation or taught myself or it taught me was quite playful. I, I went to like, I had some time at that time in my life and I, and I went to like airports and things for no reason. I went to train stations. I stood in queues that I had no business being in. <laughs> Just, I, I went on commuter trains and things, but I wasn't a commuter. And I had, I had several weeks of just exploring like, walking around a supermarket, filling up a trolley, and then emptying it again. And just because I wanted to see what it was like having no agenda, no purpose, other mm. than just playing in those places that sometimes we feel stressed. I mean, airports is a fantastic one. Yeah. Because there's so many stress layers in an airport. And, and once you've kind of, and I'm not suggesting everyone does that, but it's, it's a way of being playful, like, you can play in the contemplative state and what it does is it changes your whole relationship to those situations so if you are able to be contemplative in a in a supermarket then your journey around the supermarket is kind of mythical it's it's mm. it's wonderful it's not like you're just trying to get the food and get home every step of it is kind of an encounter and and strange things happen you know you because you're 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 in a different space you're more open. So right. sometimes you meet people that you wouldn't normally have met and people kind of respond to you differently. And well, your you vibration is, your vibration yeah. is increasing if you're exactly, if, so, you're, if you're very present. Totally. So a lot of, you can have a lot of play. You can have a lot of fun within contemplation. Yeah. So let's pause and pivot. Now, should I just finish with merge? And yeah, then, yeah. 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 It's very simple merge. It's, um, you know, a certain number of, after you've been doing this technique for a certain amount of time, 
you will have experienced, you know, quite a few of those pivotal moments. And what you don't see until later often is that you're kind of opening up gradually. You're merging. You're merging with the background consciousness of life. You're, mer you're merging with something way bigger, with a mystery. And the more you kind of have these pivotal experiences, the more they open up your your heart, the more they open up your mind, and the more they, they, they relax and soften your body and the processes in your body, your physical body. So it can have incredible health benefits as well hmm. because you're, you're relaxing more and more deeply in your life every day. And every day, even just a little bit, like every day, even just one pause in a day is a victory. <laughs> you know, it's a little victory. And, even and if it's even, just five seconds. Even if it's five seconds. And then, because the, you'll it'd be like, if you get to the end of the day and you look back and you go, what was my best moment? And it's probably that moment <laughs> where you just went, oh. or, you know, those are the moments when things happen, when magical things happen, these pivots. So eventually you start to open and then you start to respond differently because you, you, you move to merge with things and even difficult things. You know, even even like aggressive things that come at you or behavior or problems or obstacles, instead of closing down in a defensive way, you start to kind of move towards them. You know, you start to open up, you start mm -hmm. because you're trusting. So you trust anything that comes to you because your heart starts to kind of go, mm -hmm. oh, I can trust this too. This is mm -hmm. coming. This is part of the, you know, part of the opening. So yeah, ultimately, it's a powerful spiritual path um, that has been trodden by countless pilgrims, teachers, masters in different ways. And it picks up and puts down any technique that it, that it needs at any point. It can try a technique like meditation, but if, it gets, if you get tense through meditation, you just put it down. You go, that one's not for me, or at least not now. Right. And then you try something else. And right. so... It, but it's all within the, the scope of the contemplative way. So at the end of the day, I love how you've broken all this down, but at, at the end of the day, we're trying to watch our thoughts or become separate ourselves from our thoughts because we have these patterns, you know, we're pretty much programmed by the time we're 13 years old, at least here in America. I mean, same everywhere. And, and, and we have these patterns and these thought habits and a practice like this helps us separate, you know, we're not our thoughts. We're not our body. And we can take a step back and we can actually watch like a movie. Contemplation reminds me of the practice of self-inquiry as well, or Vipassana. Mm-hmm. So there's like different names for, I mean, they're all maybe slightly different, yeah. but it's all kind of the same thing, isn't it? We're trying to break the programming. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, some of those things like Vipassana or, or you know, it is a form of self-inquiry. Um, they can be a bit more formal, you know, if, if they come from a certain lineage. Um, and so they have, you know, tried and tested techniques um, you know, this is how you sit, this is how you do it. And that's very useful, you know, if that works for you. Um, 
So the, the approach I'm taking is more suited, I think, to the Western mind. It's right. more, it gives you more freedom of creativity. Right. You know, it is more creative. And I think, you know, that's a really important component that's been slightly missing from the Eastern techniques, you know, because they're goal driven and which is fine. And yet the contemplation I'm sharing, teaching, modeling is not so goal driven. It's more playful. It's more an adventure. It's more an exploration so the journey itself, like in the supermarket, you know, you're you're not trying to kind of be enlightened, you know, you're just wanting to explore this life and and get more out of it, you know, and be more present. And um, in one sense, you know, we're kind of we've inherited this this spiritual um, understanding that's thousands of years old. Um, from the east and it's amazing and and i've you know i'm i've explored it deeply and and yet we are moving into a new era and so a slightly I, there's a shift taking place and um one of my friends uh, who's a, a professor of philosophy and um, religion he um he calls it the up and out philosophy you know mm. up and out the, the the purpose of life is to be enlightened and then leave this plane Right. And um, and I think the next stage of our evolution is is to kind of break that down a little bit and go, well, maybe it isn't about leaving. Maybe it's about really being creative and enjoying more and bringing more awareness in, you know, heaven to earth rather than heaven up there. And we're off, you know, I'm off. I'm escaping samsara into this other other, uh, you know, heightened space so that. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great challenge. I think it's the spiritual edge of our of our times. Yeah. So let's talk about you a little <laughs> bit. I read that you had an experience in your late twenties. Would you mind sharing that? And, and was that what jump started you into all this? Um, yeah, kind of. I think it was. You know, it was definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a jump start. Um, although I was kind of when I was younger, I had. Um, knowings in me um but um yeah in in my late 20s i had a spontaneous um kind of awakening experience uh, where funnily enough i was i was lying in bed asleep and i woke up um into into the state so i woke up out of my sleep (laughs) and i woke up into awakeness it was an extraordinary experience it's you know i i I hadn't taken any medicine or anything like that Mm. i just woke up into this um heightened state of consciousness um that lasted three days and three nights um Mm. in which um you know it's difficult to explain but i i was in the i was filled with light i was full of light i was i was you know kind of it was a very physical experience it's very energetic very Mm. dynamic you know, light, literally, the, the frequency of light was pouring through my body. And that's really where I kind of realized later that DNA itself, the fabric of our being is actually a kind of transducer of light. It contains light. And it's a port, it's a wormhole, every one of those tiny portals that's wrapped into our chemistry that, that we're built out of is a wormhole through which light can pour. And I mean, light as intelligence, 
because mm. that was I was in I understood in those in that state that light was intelligence and it wasn't it's not the light that you see because you can't see it but you you your body sees it you know you're mm. in the field of it. The, the universe is constructed of it it's the it's the light the limitless light that sometimes the mystics speak of um and it connects you to all things and um it connects you to time timelessness and um and you can you know you're in a universal mind so it was kind of fun for me because i i just whatever i wanted to know i could know so so i spent three days just exploring the universe and going well what about that what about this oh yeah um and what about me where do i come from what am i and where am i going and all these questions like the young kind of the young guy asks the old sage and yeah. i was that young kind of well, it's interesting. I, I had a guest not too long ago named Spencer Clayton, who has had a similar experience. He's in his late 20s right now. Mm. And he said it's just a floodgate of information it was just being downloaded to him. And he calls it junk DNA. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, in a way, you know, our junk DNA, because it, it makes up a major part of our genome. Um, and it's not fully understood. It's called non-coding DNA actually now. And um, they have begun to kind of intuit that there, are, there may be patterns to it, but they are much more complex patterns. They're almost like fractal geometries rather than, you know, so you, so you don't read it in a linear fashion, like you read the main part of our genetic code, it's linear. Um, this junk, this non-coding DNA may be a kind of, in a language that's a lot more cryptic, that's a lot more mysterious, that's actually a lot more, um, is a lot more efficient, you know, because it, it, it's, it's a strange thing to kind of think that with, with the order that the universe creates, to think that it would just, 90% of us would be just wastage, um, when in fact, you know, that 80, 90% may actually contain you know huge secrets you know huge secrets like the secret so, of our of our whole ancestral lineage so this three-day satori essentially started you on the path uh it kind of yeah it sort of reset me i think i was already on the path but it kind of blew me into another it, it kind of blew in, in many ways it blew me off the path actually because i didn't really know what to do afterwards um and i was you know i went through a lot of different states um for years de depression kind of i wanted to get back really um messiah complex for a while dark you know, night all, of the soul yeah lots of kind of and then you know denial you know it didn't happen it was just you know you know all those sort of things i tried a lot of different things eventually i kind of started to be human again and I've, I've i met my wife i got married i started to do human thing i had a child and then things started to kind of sing again inside me and i, and I began to see a way forward um and i began to it began to kind of unravel um i met certain things and people in my life that um, enabled me to start formulating the gene keys and and like because I had this wisdom download and I, but it had no form or structure and what do you do with that what are you going to do you know what do you do with that <laughs> um, 
so then the structure started to appear over over years you know and i started to build it and i have this love of language so and words so i, I started to build it out of language and concepts and ideas and shape this uh thing that became the gene keys so yeah the I Ching is a big part of the gene keys as you mentioned are there any other inspirations that crossed your field when you were younger that any gurus any traditions any books that really helped you keep going yeah i think you know one of my first um traditions that i've always been very drawn to was um funnily enough is the chinese um traditions the taoist traditions yeah. so i had taoist teachers because when i when i was around 19 i i um someone gave me a book um, by a teacher called Mantak Chia. And it was, an, uh, you may have heard of, oh, yeah. and um, it was a book of um, meditation. You know? and, and so I did this meditation in the book um, and I had an immediate kind of experience, a kind of awakening, Kundalini awakening experience in my body. And, and after doing that, that meditation for literally five minutes, I my kind of body just exploded. I think it was waiting to happen. And, um, and after that, after I did that, I could feel energy for the first, I could feel energy and it's ne that's never left me feeling energy outside my body and inside my body. And, and before that I couldn't, but after that I suddenly could. So I changed and, and I was quite confused by that as well. I was 19. It was sort of, there wasn't a great deal of seeking, you know, then it was, you know, I guess this, the kind of eighties and stuff. And um, anyway, I found this yoga teacher and I was telling her about, you know, kind of my slightly angsty feeling of like, why well, I don't know what to do with this, this knowing these feelings and no one understands. And she said, um, why don't you go and find the teacher who wrote the book? And, I, and it hadn't occurred to me. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I could actually. Did you track down Mantuck? So I went and studied with Mantuck Chia in Thailand and in America. I came to New York and, wow. um, and I met him. And, I, and I, I, it wasn't, you know, he was amazing. But actually, it was the people around him were even more amazing. Mm. I mean, they were just incredible. They were like Qigong teachers and and healers and meditation instructors. I mean, he, he drew some really powerful, amazing people from all over the world. And so it was suddenly a clan and I was like this young guy in this clan of elders. And I felt like, oh, finally. And, and some of them took me under their wing and kind of showed me the ropes and, and um, finally felt like I belonged. And, and that was a, a big journey for me. And then I it went from there, I also ended up studying under another teacher called Hua Ching Ni, Master Ni, um, who uh, has retired to the mountains now and um, a wonderful man, very different from Mantak Chia, very, very different. Um, Mantak Chia is a kind of um, a technique master, you know, and that's where he wrote all those books and kind of revealed all these secret techniques and really pissed off a lot of Chinese people. Mm. Um, and and watching Ni was more of an embodied kind of Buddha, you know, Chinese yeah. Buddha. And he he taught less through technique and more through presence. And yeah. um, so he was a beautiful man. And so that the 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 I was captivated by the Taoist way and and the teachings of alchemy, you know, of the internal alchemy, the transmuting of the shadow into the 
into the into its essence and that kind of tantric path and yeah so yeah it was a that was a big influence long story but yeah um and and it and and another thing that came my way is called human design and i i should mention that because it was a pivot it was a kind of real key for me understanding the gene keys and um a man called Ra who had had a revelation in the 80s and he and that revelation brought together the I Ching with um with a kind of new version of of the chakras and astrology as well and it combined all those things that were became part of the gene keys the pillars um but then um the gene keys kind of went a little bit in a different direction from human design and i kind of moved on from that after a while but yeah it was a it was a real key um seminal teaching and it still has a lot of value to it and many people know about it now yeah yeah recently your your father passed away yeah how how did you how'd you deal with that um well you know i think everyone has different kind of ways of grieving and different processes and he was 94, you know, he, he did actually die of COVID, but, um, you know, other things as well. And, it, and he was 94 and had a good life, you know, and, and so he had to die of something, you know, we, right. and he was kind of, he died peacefully at home and, um, you know, he made a, he, he had an impact in the world and, and was a, as a really good moral man, and um so letting him go has been quite easy in that respect and and also i in in some other respect i feel even closer to him now than i ever did because he had that english gentleman sort of upbringing and so there was always that slight veneer that kind of you know he was very available at some level but not totally because of his upbringing british upbringing and uh, so now i kind of feel more connected to him than ever um in my heart and hmm. it's a process of you know it's 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 more than just you know letting my father go as well it suddenly brought up you know more grief around my mother and um uh, who I'm who I'm who because it's the whole lineage and and so I'm you know it's a strange experience it's very it's still quite fresh in me so yeah um it's it's a it's a process but this year this last year, I have my contemplation ongoing has been very deep about death, and I lost another very close friend early in the year hmm. last year, and um, and we had conversations leading up to his death about incarnation and reincarnation and things, and and it was very we were very kind of you know the conversations were amazing the dialogues, um, and so I was really exploring this notion of the continuity of consciousness yeah. and became interested in ideas of reincarnation and lineage and, and where I've come from and where I'm going. And, and it was an experience I had in my field of light, you know, that I, in the timeless domain, I kind of saw past lives and remembered even future lives. And it mm. kind of made a bit of a mockery of time <laughs> And so I, and I've held, I've carried that ever since. And I'm really interested in what are the mechanisms behind the algorithms, literally behind you, incarnation itself. You've, you've seen your Akashic records. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I'm, 
I'm very much in that contemplation at the moment and I, and did some great, uh, had some wonderful uh, dialogues this year with Chris Bache, who's, you, you'd be a good person to interview him, um, uh, B-A-C-H. And he's written this amazing book called um, DNA in the Mind of the, uh, LSD in the Mind of the Universe. And um, he's an incredible man and uh, really a, a, a lucid uh, speaker and thinker. Um, and we did, we've done a series of dialogues together on contemplating reincarnation, mm. um, quite sophisticated, actually. Um, and in terms of where we went, um, they're coming out in the next month or so. And um, that's been a real eye opener for me and a heart opener as well, um, because it's not something that's talked about so much in spiritual circles. I mean, there's kind of wackier circles and there's a therapeutic um kind of following it has you know where it's used in you know aggression therapy and things but a lot of the sort of well-known teachers of the day don't go near it it's which i find interesting um mm. and uh and i like to i like to kind of travel these edges so i'm finding it a really a rich field of contemplation um and i and it's opening up a kind of bigger dimension of understanding time and also understanding this time that we're in uh, this epoch that we're in and the and the changing epoch that we're moving into um and it it kind of loosens a lot of the anxiety that people might feel understanding a, a wider view of of you know the the process of the unraveling of humanity's higher nature and how it moves through these thresholds of crisis um, yeah. and how they're not to be feared um, but they'll be to, be to be embraced and you know they needn't create anxiety you know and that doesn't mean we shouldn't me meet the challenges you know we should we should totally meet them with passion sure. uh, and yet not be overwhelmed by them it's not necessary you know that this is very very special times like the one we're in now you know, death is a big topic on this podcast. It comes up a lot. And isn't, yeah. isn't that, the, isn't that the, the job of a mystic is to sort of get ready to die. Uh, Absolutely. To be ready to yeah. embrace it. You never know. I, I mean, recently, one of the most famous people in the world, Tiger Woods, major car accident. He was trapped in the car for upwards of 15 minutes before any authorities got there mm. he wasn't uh, according to the story he was not knocked out so he's laying there stuck in a car mm. what do you do you you meditate or contemplate you you, you mm. that's my thought you mm. know and so uh, that's why I wanted to uh, bring that up with with your father, and mm. you know you've explored all of this, so that's why I was wondering how you handled it and how it affected you. Well, you know, I I re I had this deep revelation last year, uh, um, which three words really. Um, well, is it three, four? <laughs> uh, eternity is our home, you know. Those were the words that came to me. Our true, my, you know, my true home is is eternity. Uh, 
Hmm. And that's a sentence that you could contemplate. You know, if you really go into that and you go, my, what does that, you know, what does that feel like? What does that look like? If that, if that's, if I take that in at the deepest level, how might that transform my entire life? You know, and because then you no longer need fear death because, you know, we're eternal. And I, I often say this to people, I, I, we are, I know it. So, it, it, and, and it needs to be said. <laughs> You've seen it, you felt it. Yeah, it needs to be said. And being, you know, we, yeah, we live in a, in, a, in a world that's kind of has a, a very strange, you know, forgetfulness um, to me. And, and many others, actually, you know, there are, if you dig beneath the surface of many people, they kind of know this truth, you know? Yeah. Gautama, the Buddha, <laughs> called it nothingness. Yeah. You put a negative spin on it instead of making it this big, bold, yeah, ulti- I mean, ultimate... Yeah, that 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 is the the Buddhist spin, and and it it, it can be seen as as a frightening word that, and yet um, you know at the at the center of every galaxy is a black hole. You know, is uh it, you know at the center of everything is the unmanifest. You know, so you know we move through these periods of it's the pause. You know, we we move into the pause, we move into the unmanifest, and and then we suddenly become more alive than ever before. So really, that's what death is. Death is becoming more alive than you could possibly conceive of. You know, mm-hmm. only anyone who's had a near-death experience will tell you this. And there's, mm-hmm. there are millions of them. Yeah, I have, I have them on this podcast all yeah, the time. Yeah, I bet. And you, I bet you hear the same things. Nothingness. <laughs> Not everyone uses that word, but it's, yeah. it's the, 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 black, the blackness mm-hmm. with a feeling of love. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what Ram Das kind of coined uh, loving awareness. Lo- so it's 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 a combination of love and awareness, but everyone keeps talking about the color black. It's always a, a blackness. Yeah. Space is black. Yeah. And we're scared of black, you know. Um, right. And and so we have to make friends with it. It's it doesn't it doesn't mean. You know, it's not that kind of emptiness, right? You know, it's 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 everything. It's it's yeah. the everything. I mean, I, that's my style as a teacher. I'm an everything teacher rather than a nothing teacher. That's right. why when you look at the jinkies, it's like, oh my god, it's like this has got everything in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> well, you know, Westerners don't want to hear about the nothingness. It's it's a, it's a bit pessimistic to them. It can seem that way, yeah. What are the seven sacred seals? <laughs> that's a that's a great question. No one usually asks me that question. Um, well, they're a revelation uh, that came from Saint John and um, from the you know from the Book of Revelation. Um, that's historically what they are, and they're a very cryptic piece of writing. Um, and anyway, so part of my one of my journeys um, with the Gene Keys, one of the revelations that kind of unfurled for me was the understand a new understanding of what the seven seals really are. And and so my understanding is that they are portals of grace. 
you know they are they are they are fields of grace and um they relate to the seven chakras from the hindu system they relate to seven archangels or seven bodhisattvas or seven saints and and so they are again universal codes they relate to the seven colors you know the seven days of the week the seven tones of the octave all those things are connected to so they're a universal um revelation and yet my understanding of them is that they un they they unravel in layers both on an individual level you know just as we kind of open up to higher and higher states of consciousness but they also unravel in layers as a species the seven veils that mm. are cast over reality and as each one is is unveiled or, or it reveals another layer of what I call the sacred wound. And the sacred wound is the reason for suffering, you know, that the higher purpose of suffering. And so for us to kind of gain a full awakening experience, we have to understand, we have to move into the sacred wound. We have to move into the heart of suffering of our suffering and not just our suffering, but the world's suffering, the, the cosmos suffering. And that sounds scary to some people, but it isn't. It's like that black hole. You just, the wider you open your heart, you know, the less scary it becomes because you just receive more of it, you know? And so the seven seals are like the layers of grace that heal the layers of the wounding um, inside us in a sequence. And, um, my understanding through the gene keys and through teachings called the golden path teachings, which are online, a sort mm -hmm. of self-study series that unravels um, is that our awakening unravels in a sequence, you know, again, it's algorithms and numbers and sequences. And, and that's how our DNA works in sequences and it unzips in layers and, and the heart opens like that as well. So, I mean, for some people, the heart, you know, awakening might be an instant thing. That's fairly rare. But for others, it's a gradual unraveling. Yeah. You know, as layer upon layer opens, like as I was just explaining at the beginning with contemplation and pivoting and merging, it's a gradual opening up into a deeper revelation. So um, the seven seals describe kind of, you know, those universal pivots for the yeah. whole of the species, not just individual, but the whole species, you know, and, and that was a big revelation for me because I realized that humanity, you know, has, has these veils over the, it, but actually we are a collective consciousness, you know, yeah. and that, you know, our, our next phase of evolution will be to start to realize that um, yeah. and begin modeling it. And that means that everything at, at, a, at a, even a genetic level will probably change, you know, so we will begin to change. We begin to mutate as a species. Or evolving you know. still. Yeah, evol exactly. But in, in times, you know, like in the past, human species has mutated and, and we will mutate again. And so the seven seals are like part of that journey of like, we're changing, you know, mm how do you feel about the law of attraction it's a very you know famous now over the last 10 15 years you know some people i've heard many mystics say ah, stay away from that 
and other people who really, really put their attention on it and they're trying to manifest whatever it is that they want. What, what's your approach to that? Um, it's, you know, I think it's, uh, there's a, there's a level of truth to it and there's also a level, a level of, um, illusion to it. Mm. Um, I, I kind of coined a, a law, <laughs> didn't coin it, but I just described a, a, a law that I feel is, um, more important to know before you even think about the law of attraction, which is the law of unseen grace. And the law of unseen grace says, um, that what you have right now is exactly what you need. And furthermore, the thing that you really don't want is the thing that you need to unpack the most because it, it has the most juice in it. And, and so trying to kind of, you know, the law of attraction is, is, is nothing kind of bad about it, but it's like it can distract us from accepting what we have right now and what we have right now, as I said, you know, like the shadow that we have is actually where we need to really be, you know, the suffering is where we need to really pay our attention. Yeah. Not if, on like, yeah. yeah if, if we're trying to manifest a new car, you know, or more money, that's, you know, it could be considered greed, which could be considered a, a quote unquote sin or the opposite direction of the spiritual path. Yeah, and there's also I, I, you know, I don't. The one teacher that I really deeply respect, who's not alive and I've never met, um, Bulgarian teacher called Bain Saduno, who's been a big, had a big impact on me. Mm. Um, he um, he said that everything has to be paid for. <laughs> And, and mm. it was a kind of, it was, it's, uh, it caught my attention in the way he described it. He said, you know, if you, um, if you, if you attract, um, you know, a new car, a shiny new car, then somewhere that has to be paid for, Yes. <laughs> you know, and someone has paid for it. Yes. And the resources that have gone into it have been, you know, and you now carry that. Yeah, so, this could be where the phrase "making a deal with the devil" comes from. Yeah, so so I would just caution people to be careful, and it's it's like it's great to dream of what you wish. That's like you know, but the law of unseen grace gives you what you need, <laughs> and that's you know, and and I mean, one of the things I've understood from uh, again through these sequences in the Golden Path teachings, my teachings, is that. Um, there are three layers again, I'd like three. So you have purpose and then partnership and then prosperity. And it's in that order. That's the sequence. So first of all, you have to really understand what is my purpose now, And you don't have to understand it like in, in a mental way. So it's not about going, Oh, I'm here to do this. It's you've got to resonate the beingness of your purpose, <laughs> you know, and that's a physical feeling in your body. Like I'm, you know, it's a, it's a sense of being, it's a sense of knowing who I am in my body. And, and so once you've kind of understood that and you've imbibed that, then partnership is the second one, love. So relationship, the path of relationships, you know, open up to you and the path of love. And you need purpose first in a way, in order that you can be clear in a relationship. You don't then get tangled up with someone else's purpose. Like this is me. This is, this is what I'm here for, you know, and then 
you can have a clear, clean relationship and you can progressively then work at that wounding in your heart and open and use the relationships in your life to open your heart more and more and more. And that's, I call that the Venus sequence teachings, which, which is mm. an incredible set of teachings from that, I, that were revealed um, to me as part of the Gene Keys. Um, many doing a retreat right now with many thousands of people um, online um, working through their Venus sequence, which is the sequence that kind of helps you understand the childhood wounding patterns um, that get in the way of you loving fully. Right. So it uses our relationships specifically, yeah. whatever they are, um, parents, children, wives, husbands, whatever partners, you know, whatever you've got in your life that those relationships it uses but then the third one is prosperity and that's what i wanted to come to is that prosperity really only dawns after the heart has opened you know so it's a byproduct of opening the heart so you can't bypass and prosperity is also not often what you think it is like it may not be a shiny car it may be a shiny car because we're here to play right so but it depends play, on play and creation yeah, but it so it depends. But if it comes to you through, it's got to come to you through the right way. You you know, if you try and take a shortcut, and you haven't done the heart work, and you haven't done the shadow work, then yeah, you may have an additional burden that you're carrying that mm. you you know that comes back to haunt you. Whereas if it falls from the bow, you know, it's like if it falls from the bow and you catch it, and it's like ah, oh, thank you as opposed to going out and grabbing it and pulling it before it's ripe. Yeah. My, my first mentor, the mystic I told you about earlier, I brought this to him and he, he said, eh. he said, you know, his exact words is the beloved takes care of me. The beloved takes care of me. The guy owned a bag, Richard, a bag. He was a wandering mystic. He went from ashram mm. to ashram there was no greed. And he just said, the, the beloved takes care of me. I just, I was taught to just do your best. Mm. If you just do your best, if you, whether you're washing the dishes or you're at your job, you just do your best. And whatever it is, this universe, it'll just take care of you. Is that similar to the unseen grace? Totally. It's exactly what it is. Exactly the same thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He said it in a more, simple and elegant way than I did. <laughs> did. Do you know that Mike Tyson read the Gene Keys? Have you heard that? Well, I did hear that. Um, he I said don't know it if he on, read it or listened to it. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. said it on the Joe Rogan show. I did hear that. Yeah. That's a big plug for you. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. I, but, I, I hope it helped him. Yeah, he, you know, he's on the spiritual path. You know, you can tell he's very vulnerable and very, he goes through these mood swings where he cries. It's Mike Tyson crying, yeah. you know what I mean? And, yeah, I don't know much about him, but yeah. And so uh, that's one of the ways I heard about the Gene Keys. Oh, wow. And I also have a friend named Cody who's very huge advocate of the Gene Keys. She does the readings. She right. She's really into it. And I, I, I went to her when I booked you for this podcast and I said, you got any questions? I'll, I'll ask them. Yeah. So she came up with two. Great. And that is how can the gene keys be used in health and healing of the physical body? Do you see 
this becoming something? Well, as I described like earlier, the, you know, the, the art of contemplation itself is a cleansing of the, of the physical, it, it, you know, it, it moves us into a, into a phase of healing because we're slowing down, you know, we're slowing down our, our kind of, our addictive patterns, you know, we're breaking them. And what that does is it breaks strings, you might call them karma, that have been holding back, you know, energy and vitality and light from flowing through our body, from flowing through our subtle body, you might say, from flowing through us. So in that sense, um, it's a whole it's a whole body system. It's a hot, it's a heat, it's a healing system, but at a different level from going into symptoms and going, and that's not to say that it couldn't do that, but I, it's not, that's not been my journey with it. And that may be something that emerges more in the times ahead. And, um, you know, I have a dear friend of mine who's a, who's a doctor and he's been, talking to me for a long time saying come on we got to do something i want to i want to angle the gene keys into healing more and mm. helping through. and and so we are contemplating ways of doing that um uh and i'm sure it will go in that direction in some way but and, and many people are using it you know maybe many uh, uh, medics or you know uh, psychologists and people already using it in their own life but essentially i i i always feel like you know, the ultimate healing is, you know, to kind of to awaken and to release ourselves from unhealthy patterns, you know, and to do this alchemical transformational work. And then our, our, by, our physical health is a byproduct. Um, and part of our pivoting is to let go, our body lets go of things. You know, the deepest layers of contemplation are actually in the physical body. So the outermost is mental contemplation. You know, that's where mm. you begin. You begin by thinking about it, this stuff. And then as you think about it more and more, it starts to get into your emotional body. And sure. you, begin to, you begin to feel it at work. You begin to, it begins to impact your feelings and how you feel and, and the, those shadow patterns and your defenses and things. But the deepest layer is when it hits the physical body. And a pattern is spontaneously released at a genetic level somewhere inside us or at a neurological level, you know, or at an endocrine level, you know, right. something, it opens up pathways inside us that there's no other way we would have reached them <laughs> or there, there may have been other ways, but it's a very direct way. So yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's an answer to Cody. Yeah. But. How about fear? Like for example, what if somebody's having chest pains? Um, it, it could just be heartburn. It's not a heart attack, but the mind, the mind has this pattern of fear. And then it, once, once it grabs hold of it, all these visions, these horrible visions may come up from someone. How mm. can contemplation and the gene keys help someone, you know, switch that? Well, I teach a really simple technique. I teach it over and over and over again. And it is really the kind of, you know, I learned it from the Taoists. And it's placing the hands on the belly. And, uh, and the breathing. taking the breath down to the belly. 
And if necessary, you know, stroking down to the belly like this um, and then bringing the energy down and maybe spiraling very gently. And, you know, what you're doing is you're loving yourself out. You're loving yourself into the body, but you're loving yourself through the pattern. You know, you're parenting yourself through the fear. And, and my other, another thing I, I sometimes say is fear is safe. You know, to let people know fear is safe. You know, and I know it sounds like a paradox. So if you're in a fear pattern or a shadow pattern, it's deep, it's, it's manifesting through your body. It's in your breath. You know, your breath shortens, your, your belly tenses. And so by placing your hands down there and just breathing and, and just being with yourself in a loving way, as though you're, as though you're touching the child inside you, you're actually doing one of the deepest pieces of work you could ever do. And it's always in the belly that because that's that that's our core you know that's the that's the core of all our tensions you know because the navel is in there that's our little black hole you know that's our that's our that's where every our life began there so all the tension that we hold at the deepest level is kind of layered around that navel you know and and, and then it comes out and then it spreads into areas of the body um, and it affects organ systems and stuff so when we do that work again, we're going right to the source, and it's such a simple, beautiful thing. If you ever yeah. feel anxiety, if you feel depression, if you feel any of those things, those are physical things. You bring yourself back into the body, back into the belly. You bring, you allow the breath to come back into reality. Yeah. So, well, what's more we, real than our breathing? Yeah. We do it every few seconds. <laughs> exactly. But the touch is also important, you know. Yeah. Touching yeah. yourself like that. I like it. Her other question was, what advice would you give to people who are feeling overwhelmed with the state of our world? It's kind of crazy out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been wild in America this last year. I don't know if you know. It. <laughs> it certainly has. I know. <laughs> You know, when you, you know, when you can't, I would say pause, you know, at a practical level, learn, learn to pause regularly and, and do this contemplative thing, because what it does is it opens you up to other realities. You know, it brings, it, it releases the wisdom of the body and that, and once the body's starts to feel safe in the world, then the mind lets go of all the worries that it holds about the future and, you know, why things are the way they are. And your body comes back into trust. You know, it starts to trust. That's why holding of the belly is so key. Like these things I've been saying are like so key, pausing, holding the belly, just breathing, just being with, you know, creating spaces in your life, being playful in your approach, being very gentle with yourself. You know, what it does is it just begins to kind of chip away at those stress patterns. And then when the body starts to feel safe again and take some time, then the mind isn't spinning. And so you, you realize that everything that's happening in the universe is, is happening according to a, a beautiful kind of pattern. And even the, you know, when the tornado comes and spins and, 
we're caught in it. Like we still, we can even trust that, you know, we can even trust the crisis, you know, we can even trust death because it will deliver us to another truth, to a deeper truth, to a deeper layer. So coming into that trust in the body is really the best thing that I could suggest for someone because it, it's, it's, yeah. It's interesting. You said tornado. That's one of the things that gives me anxiety. <laughs> Those tornado warnings, man. <laughs> well, I tell you, there's a big one coming to the whole planet. You know, in, in Gene Keys, I, there's all these names for, there's lovely names, very picture, pictorial names. Um, and there's these thing called the codon rings. And they describe like groupings of keys that are mystically encoding the destiny of humanity. That's all I say. Like, mystery. if you want to know more, you come and study jinkies. Oh my God. And, um, and anyway, so those codon rings, they have names. And the one that's kind of triggering all the others right now is the codon ring of the whirlwind. It's called the ring of the whirlwind. And it contains two keys, 55 and 49. And those two keys, 49 is rebirth and 55 is freedom. And so that's what they're doing, but they also contain deep fears, you know, and they're releasing deep fears. The 55 is the victim and the 49 is reaction, you know, emotional reaction patterns. Mm. So those two together, the way they're working, operating through the whole genome of humanity is releasing us into a new layer of freedom, you know, and, and cutting through some of these old reactive violent patterns that are held in our memory you know so that we kind of a bridge to a new you know so we have to let go into that whirlwind really and it's coming and it's um it's beginning now really you know it's just brewing and i think it's going to pick up a lot of pace and put us through quite a process um yeah <laughs> well explain this last thing before i let you go peace is hidden in conflict. Yeah, I mean the same, you know, that's what I say that the, you know, every shadow contains a gift. And, um, you know, in every gene key, there's a shadow, there's a gift, and then there's an essence, a city, I call it a city, a, a divine, you know, treasure, a, a, you know, a, a kind of a seed of grace. So, you know, when you take the seed and the shadow is the seed. And then if you explore that shadow and you really embrace that shadow, that suffering, and you really get to know it, and then whatever it is, you move through its transformation, then it flowers into a gift. And, and, and that flowering goes on and on and on in your life. And as it flowers one day, it even, a fruit emerges so it's a seed a flower and a fruit and the fruit you know is this is peace you know like so if you start with conflict and then you begin to understand conflict because this is the sixth gene key right this is number six in the pantheon so you know conflict is the shadow it's a universal shadow you know and to and the purpose of conflict is to is to learn something from it so as we learn from conflict, what we learn is we learn the art of diplomacy. You know, we learn, we learn how to interact with someone in a way that's authentic, that um, honors them and honors us, honors the higher self in them and honors the higher self in us. And in all our relationships, you know, we then 
conflict, the purpose of conflict then becomes something positive because it makes us understand, it makes us more empathic. It makes us more human. It makes us more forgiving. It makes us more understanding. It opens us up into this field of learning how to be diplomatic. And that doesn't mean how to kind of, that's not a technique. It means diplomacy at the deepest level. Every, you know, that's a human gift to know when to say something and when not to say something, you know, to hold it back. Like if you're going to say something mean and you hold that back, that's a good thing, right? Sometimes yeah. it's okay to let it out. But like if you have the self-awareness to hold it back from being said, then, then it won't propagate the conflict. And you might find another way then of saying it, a more right. diplomatic, a more empowering way. Right. You know? So that eventually diplomacy leads, it, it, it goes on flowering and it becomes to the awareness that peace, that peace is everything. Peace is every step. Peace has been there all along. Yeah. You know, it's like the greatest trick of the gods mm. to hide or, you know, or the universe is to mm. hide the highest states of consciousness in suffering. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, so it's like it's the last place where most humans want to look. Right. That's why I said when I began this whole you know, thing with you, I said, you know, you have to be ready for the Gene Keys teachings. You know, anyone can start with contemplation. Yeah. But the Gene Keys are a little bit more advanced because you kind of have to be ready for the shadow work. Right. You know, and that takes a bit of courage. It does. Um, yeah. So once you go into it, it reveals deeper and deeper and deeper layers uh, of, yeah. um, you know, grace. Well said. Yeah. And ultimately peace. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. I hope that Others will hop on Amazon, go get the Gene Keys and the Art of Contemplation. Two great books. Richard Rudd, this has been a, a great conversation. You know, we should do it again, maybe in nine months, 12 months. Happy yeah. to, Kevin. It's really there's, nice to meet there's you. There's more to talk about. Yeah, yeah. There's and always yeah, something yeah. to talk about. Yeah. And I, I love your um I love your energy. You're really kind of open, you know, you have a gentleness and an authenticity. And Thank I you. really appreciate that. Thanks. Like to know a bit more about you. So, yeah. Okay. Anytime. Maybe next time we can have a dialogue where you can share a bit more as well. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.